To put some context for the middle quartets, mm -hmm. which you very rightly said are often the ones, or were originally the ones most mm -hmm. performed before mm -hmm. the Donnells got yes. to it, um, and they are accessible. They are firmly within Shostakovich's language, but yes. there is a reason for this, of course. Mm -hmm. um, beyond this first grouping of quartets, Meinberg was really excelling as a chamber composer. That's towards the end of the Second World War, so writing a lot mm -hmm. of chamber music pieces, which makes sense if you think that availability of orchestras is rather difficult to get hold yeah. of them. There's then a big break where lots of uh, upsetting things happen in Weinberg's biography. Mm -hmm. He's arrested mm -hmm. in 1953, mm -hmm. uh, essentially for his Jewish background, but also mm -hmm. with links to other high-profile Jewish figures within his family. His mm -hmm. father-in-law uh, was a most probably the most famous Jewish figure in Soviet life, uh, an actor called Solomon mm -hmm. Mikhoels, who was murdered uh, by the state in 1948. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so Weinberg was imprisoned, uh, was only released after Stalin's death. So Weinberg really suffered uh, anti-Semitism yeah. during his time in the Soviet Union. But then we get to, there's an 11-year break. The mm -hmm. Seventh Quartet then comes then. And from a sort of middle period, there is a lot of similarity with Shostakovich. There's clearly mm -hmm. a speaking the language. And what's important to focus on here mm -hmm. is that they are seeing each other every day. Mm -hmm. So uh, we know from Shostakovich's diaries. So that's not a kind of memoir. That's a mm -hmm. sort of schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, Shostakovich met with Weinberg almost every single day. Weinberg's name it's appears amazing. more than any other yes. in the diary. And Shostakovich wrote to his friend Isaac Glickman, whose the letters were since published, mm -hmm. uh, that he considered to be in competition with mm -hmm. Weinberg. He considered Weinberg to be his equal without any argument. Mm -hmm. Weinberg wouldn't have liked that, but Shostakovich said that all the time. Mm -hmm. They considered themselves in competition for the number of quartets. Uh, so Shostakovich, for example, brought out his 10th quartet, which is dedicated to Weinberg, because he mm -hmm. overtook Weinberg with that one. And then they tried quickly to balance each other. Yeah. So this middle period is they're seeing each other every day. We know yeah. that they also preview their music to each other. Mm -hmm. So works that are in progress, not even finished. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily for advice, but just to, just to preview it, mm -hmm. to listen to each one as they are works in progress. Mm -hmm. So these middle quartets... They share a DNA yes, for me. Absolutely, yeah. It's not You're that right. Weinberg is following Shostakovich's shadow, no. which is really what's been said before as a sort yeah. of cruel yes. misunderstanding, yeah. but rather they're incredibly closely working together. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense. Which is not the only case in, the, in no, the history. Not. I mean, look, Haydn, who was 33, the f six Mozart dedicated to Haydn. Then yes. the, the change in Haydn after yes. he, he sees this with this amazing uh, letter what, what write, uh, Haydn wrote to Leopold Mozart yes. saying, your son is the greatest composer that have been and will be. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's not one, uh, one shot. I yes. mean, but, uh, it's great that yeah. huge people can... But discussed together. For example, from the picture that emerges from um, the complete quartets on the CPO label, mm -hmm. um, of course, is the movement away from this as well. Mm -hmm. In that if, say, 20 years ago, the only quartets that were available were the 8th, maybe mm -hmm. 7th, I think the 13th Seventh. may have been recorded. Um, I think the seven and first ones were 7 and 8, yes. Yeah. Yeah. If that was your only picture of Weinberg as a composer, no. that's not representative. Not at all. No. You know, l let's try to imagine some minutes. That the only quartet of Beethoven that you could find is Opus 18, number five. Uh -huh. Create an image that Beethoven was so admirative of Mozart and that is, you know, you could get into the stupid thing to say Beethoven is an epigon of Mozart. 
Yeah. You know, because clearly when you see 464 of Mozart and 18.5 of Beethoven, these pieces are so, I mean, Beethoven is always Beethoven, but he's so inspired by Mozart in this time. And so, and he said himself so admirative, he copied the last movement of the 464 by his own hand. So, I mean, what, where is the shame in it? <laughs> That's really amazing. But it, it's true. Yeah. But it's interesting because two things are sort of really proof of the fact that it's not an epigone. And, and, and these two things, I, w- I would say three things. But the first thing is thanks to you, is all this research on where there are common points. And you see that it's actually yes. shared. I would stress there are many researchers beside me, yeah. uh, and I am... But stand- you, you yeah. were... Uh, first it's of a all, wonderful community of researchers, actually. Yeah. It's a close-knit group who yes. share work, who it's share true. ideas. It's true, it's really a community. Yes, yes, yes it's true. With wonderful Sorry, people. No, no, go, go on. Uh, I think you had... You had uh, yes, no, no. But, but I think that... That's, but I, I know that you work very early on that thema. And, yes. and, and for us, I, you know, we have a great luck to be in Manchester with David and with you having been there uh, uh, a lot of years. Because for us, it's so important to have this part of the work, you know, to be close to this part of the work, you know. Yes. Uh, because... Really, there was nothing when we started to work on Weinberg. I mean, a few recordings and uh, even not parts of... of yes. It was not played often in, in halls. Yes. And so so we, we went from from nothing. The ser- second one, I would quote David uh, mm-hmm. Fanning, uh, speaking about the Shostakovich second trio, uh-huh. which is clearly one of the first pieces where Shostakovich is using so much... Jewish yes, yes. music. Two events happened in this year. The fact that he finished the uh, opera from his student Benjamin Fleischmann. Uh-huh. This is Rothschild's uh, violin. Absolutely. Yeah. And and where he, and that's a, I, I find it so touching that the teacher because apparently Fleischmann had written a little bit of it. It's it's debatable and it's an ongoing debate. How much is Shostakovich yeah. and how much is Fleischmann? Yes, and 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 to to spend. Yes. S- it's a labor of so love. What it yeah, absolutely. To be. It's it's an amazing dedication. I yes. find it's extremely moving, but that made him already come into into the Jewish yes. uh, uh, tonalities, yes. so to say. Yes. And then that's also the moment where he met Weinberg. Yes. And 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 that that for example is a proof that Shostakovich learned from Weinberg also. Yes. The most funny, as you were mentioning, that if there is one person who never pretended Weinberg to be an epigone, is Shostakovich himself. Yes. It's, it's amazing that maybe the only one which said this man is my equal is Shostakovich. Yes. Feinberg, we talked about his character, but we know he's also yeah. very, very modest. Yes. Later in life, in his letters, he writes to a friend, Polish composer Christoph Meyer, yeah. that uh, for him, the piece of music only matters when he is writing it. He doesn't mind if it's performed or not, that uh-huh. he's indifferent to that later uh-huh. in life. So it's the act of writing. He's that modest that he does not yeah. wish to pursue performances. Oh, my gosh. Of his, I know, it's yeah. extraordinary to think. But, and... Yes. But to go on then with Shostakovich, Shostakovich really fought Weinberg's corner. Mm-hmm. When Weinberg had finished writing The Passenger, which is his first opera, mm-hmm. um, there, the way that was be promoted in the Soviet Union would be to have preview performances where the composer mm-hmm. might perform at the piano for mm-hmm. a panel and sing all of the parts. Mm-hmm. There's actually a private recording of this that exists, and it's pretty yes. extraordinary, Weinberg yes, singing But also his piano playing is phenomenal. With, with a, but there is a very tiny voice. Okay. Yes, it's fascinating. <laughs> yes. Um, but Shostakovich then really fought the case for this opera. Yes. The score was published with a foreword yeah. by Shostakovich, and he calls it a masterpiece. Uh-huh, he yes. tells us time and time again yes. that The Passenger is a masterpiece. Yes. 
Feinberg would never have used that word, but he did find it to be his best piece, for instance. Uh -huh. And you're right, it's extraordinary that for all that people have tried to talk about Feinberg and Shostakovich in a bad way, the reality is that they're extremely close friends. Yes. There was respect. And also Shostakovich just appeared to dearly love his music yes. as well. Um, with the Jewish influence, mm -hmm. I've talked about Weinberg's experience with anti-Semitism. Uh -huh. So um, a scholarly background is that some scholars have tried to downplay this. They say, why would Shostakovich um, take up a Jewish thing when he knew that, that Jewish uh -huh. composers were being persecuted? The uh -huh. detail there, if you think of something like uh, Shostakovich is from Jewish folk poetry, uh -huh. uh, his song cycle there. It's been pointed that that could also be from an influence of Weinberg. There are some similarities with the songs yeah. there and some of Weinberg's own songs as yeah. well. Um, and the scholar like the Shostakovich scholar Laurel Fay mm -hmm. has written that, yes, we can point to Weinberg as the origin, or with Fleischmann as one mm -hmm. of the origins of this Jewish influence. Mm -hmm. But it makes sense because only in 1948 mm -hmm. an anti-Semitic crackdown begin. Yes. Before that point... Weinberg was being talked in the Soviet press as a young, promising composer yes. who was representative of Soviet Jewish life. The happy yes. working life of Jews yes. in the Soviet Union is an actual phrase used by uh, um, one of the composers' union of, of officials. And actually, Mikoels, his, his father-in-law, which was a, an amazing actor and a, yes. a, a, a great, great artist, had also a role during the Second World War yeah. to, to be a, a sort of, of uh, to, to make a sort of, of relation between the, the, the American Jewish yes. uh, societies and, and, and Soviet Union. So this is an organization called the Jewish Anti-Fascist Committee. Yeah. And it's, it started before um, Soviet Union entered the war. Uh -huh. And their prime role was, yes, people like Mikhail, Solomon Mikhail, this great uh, Jewish actor, yeah. were flown out to places like America to yeah. essentially fundraise yes. for the war effort. But he meant that he also met uh -huh. um, some of the leading figures. For example, he met Einstein, oh, for yes. instance. Is that I didn't know? Wow, yeah. my gosh. But what happened to Mikhail is incredibly tragic. Oh, yes. After the end of the Second World War, uh -huh. the Jewish Anti-Fascist Committee turned their heads to documenting uh, atrocities that were carried out mm. on Soviet soil as part mm. of the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. So it, even today, it's not talked about very much or not very mm -hmm. widely known. Um, and they tried to document this. Mm -hmm. And of course, many of these officials who were involved with these atrocities at the time were actually mm -hmm. still in power one way or another, or were at least not being held accountable. Mm -hmm. And the Soviet state cracked down on it. From that point on, Weinberg was followed by secret police. Yes. So, and very obviously, apparently. Yes, they would follow him, take a note of the address. His wife said that even they came in his house, they didn't try to hide. They... they and, and, and that apparently when he has been arrested the night after the, the premiere of the uh, Moldavian Rhapsody with Oistrach, feeling A like relief. Five years of waiting and now this has yeah. finally happened. Talking about sort of the Weinberg revival, or the centenary, yeah. I suppose, 2019 mm -hmm. for Weinberg. Um, it's a rather special year all around the world. But in the UK, for instance, it's Weinberg's prom's mm. debut. And in fact, three times there are Weinberg uh, performances, including his cello concerto. How do you feel about 2019 being a year to reflect on, if I call it the Weinberg revival? Uh, naturally, I'm immensely happy about this. Uh, for me, I mean, naturally, I'm very sad. Uh, naturally, you know very well Tommy Persson, who was a, a close friend of Weinberg, which is probably the person, is not a scholar, but as, as, a, as, a, as an individual who knew Weinberg the best in, in a part of the family, I mean, in, in all the people which you can still meet. And, and 
he was quite anxious, anxious at the end of his life not to be played so much. He was very anxious how his family is going to live after his death. He yes. was really yes. not, I think he would not imagine one second what's happening yes. now. Probably he was hoping somewhere. Yes. To give some context about the yeah. revival itself, it yeah. is a phenomenon in itself. Yeah. Obviously, we know over music history and the repertoire, there have been many yeah. cases where yes. composers have, I don't know, come back from the brink. Yes. With Weinberg is um, pretty amazing. Uh-huh. Though you mentioned Tommy Person, uh-huh. who somebody who simply got to know Weinberg's music from recordings yeah. in the late 1970s, yeah. I believe, yeah. and simply sought out the composer, yeah. sought out to write to him, say thank yeah. you, I really appreciate your music, and from there became a friend of the family yeah. and became. It's really interesting you say part of the family. He would yes. visit them regularly. Yes. Um, and knew Weinberg before before he died in 1996. Very sadly, yeah. Weinberg was very ill yes. for the last really sort of five or six yes. years of his life. Yeah. Um, this was made worse by the collapse of the Soviet Union, sure. where, of course, there was uh, a degree of universal health care available, yes. and that um, went downhill at yes. that point. And it's a time of crisis for Russia as well at that yes, point. Yes. Well, figures like Tommy, but also other people, Per Skans, a yes. musicologist or broadcaster yeah. in Sweden as well, yeah. they began to encourage radio um, record companies to pick up Weinberg's music. And it's true that a lot of the first recordings of Weinberg's were for, for companies like Bis or so. Yes. Which, which did more. But Tommy told me, if you can't record something, I will pay myself. And Tommy is not a very rich person. But it's extraordinary. It, it's, That's it's his like dedication. Yes. Yeah. So Weinberg died February 1996. Yes. But he was aware that something yes. was happening. And since that time, Mm-hmm. It's just Actually, we were just about to meet him because yes. we played in Moscow, the 13th Quartet, yes. two weeks after his death. Okay. And we even went to, to his flat when everything was in black, you know, yeah. after we, so because Olga came to the concert, yes. told us, come to me. Wow. To, and, and, and actually, uh, Larissa, my wife, spoke with him on the phone. Yes. Um, uh, twice when we were in Russia before in September 95 and, and, and then October yeah. and, and said can we visit you he said at the moment I'm too ill sorry mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. call again when you are back and yes it, it's uh, so for us uh, it, it's the miss rendezvous is very close <laughs> and it's another remarkable phenomenon of the sort of Weinberg revival yeah. and also academic community that so many people close to him of course are still with us yeah Sure. That's sure. different with and, many other composers. Um, well, for example, a crossover might be somebody like, uh, we've already mentioned Shostakovich's widow, Irina Shostakovich, yes. oh, who's yes. extremely dedicated, actually, to she's Weinberg's amazing. music as well. Yes, sure. I mean, she's dedicated to def- defending Shostakovich's yes, sure. music and his yes. legacy, but she's full of warm memories about Feinberg yes, sure. as well. Anyway, until 2009, you still had the feeling you have to fight for every performance. Yes. And, and then... Bregenz happens in 2010. Yes. And I, I must say, every Weinberg lover su- should make a monument to David Putney. You know, this is David Pountney, the uh, opera director, who's, uh, I believe, just leaving uh, WNO. Um, mm-hmm. He absolutely was coordinator. Yes. I think he was artistic director yes, of the festival this year. Yes, artistic director of, yeah. of, of uh, Bregenz uh, Festival. So this was the stage premiere of the past, but not just that, a whole host of other concerts around yes. it as well. Yes, symphonies and so on. Yeah. And, and, but, the pa- but the passenger, I mean... It could have been only The Passenger, it would have. Uh, yes. It was the, the stage premiere of The Passenger. So it was performed in concert uh, in Moscow yes. in 2006. Yes, yes. Um, the extraordinary thing about that one mm-hmm. was uh, the work's librettist, mm-hmm. uh, that's Alexander Medvedev, mm-hmm. was just alive to be there. 
is amazing. There so are so a, many things. Polish author Sofia yes. Pozmysz, which who is still alive and with us, and uh, which but is a, herself a survivor of Auschwitz. Yes. Like like we spoke about Weinberg, someone I think who doesn't know the 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 word hate. No, no. she's full she of love. She travels the world. She she's speaks amazing. to audiences now, um, and she's an incredible woman. Oh, um, yes. And her writing as well. But her her background feeds into the passenger as a story. Yes. And it's a fantastic novel. There's yes. a tiny vignette from Weinberg's life that I'd love to compare this to. Yeah. Uh, so obviously Weinberg was in, we've talked a bit, Weinberg was imprisoned for four mm -hmm. months in 1953. Yes. Yeah. In the 1950s, mm -hmm. Weinberg recalled being in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And even though he'd been followed by the secret police, and it was long after he'd been released, mm -hmm. he recognised sitting across from him, his guard from the Butyrka prison, just like in The Passenger. Yes, yes. To bring us back to the cycle, obviously mm -hmm. we're going to be hearing over two seasons at the Wigmore. We've mm -hmm. talked about the early quartets and the middle quartets. Mm -hmm. But for me, there's something very special about the very latest ones. Oh, yes. So we might group them 14, 15, 16, 17, yes. or something like that. Yes. But especially the last one. That's interesting, because you remember you were there for the, for the very first cycle. We, we had decided to do it chronologically. But we made something that for the very last concert, we played 16, 17, and then at the break. Um, we asked all the public to choose what will be the last piece. We didn't trust the 17th to be a good end. And naturally, they massively voted for the 6th quartet, which it's is one of the most complex. <laughs> That's the most difficult to play. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should add, uh, Mark's being very modest, and actually mm. the Weinberg quartets are extremely virtuosic, yes, extremely difficult to play. Yeah, yeah. And, and I must say, uh, Weinberg has many genius, but it doesn't have the genius of Shostakovich to write well for the instrument. Actually, with Weinberg, I often thought, especially with pieces like number no, 6 or 12, uh, this phrase of Beethoven, uh, when the spirit is talking to me, I don't care about your four miserable strings. And we feel really, really miserable at some point, but, but no, we love it. I mean, it's no problem. It's, it's a challenge. It's, yeah. it's amazing. And, and it's, it's, it's amazing music. But to come back on, this, on the 17th, actually the 17th, I would compare much more to Beethoven Opus uh, 135 mm -hmm. than to um, uh, Shostak 15. They're completely different. Yeah. yeah. It's really, I mean, he wrote it for the 40 years of the boarding quartet. The very sad thing is that he didn't play it. But this is, at a certain moment, uh, someone said, it's like a hymn to quartet. You know, and it's so sunny, it's so plain, it's so, it's so joyful in yeah. a way. That that in it, a word is the seventeenth quartet. Yes. For me, it's a remarkable end. If we're going to oh, think yes. of them as a cycle, seventeen yes. quartets, it's huge, and then an end to it. It's this it's, youthful, joyful. Oh yes, but it's, but it's 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 an amazing end because it's also full of hope. Yes, and and when you think that, I mean. Clearly, uh, you know, th th there is always this, this question that probably you hear often, that we hear often, which one you prefer, hmm. which is a little bit pointless because we love all of them. First of all, two, three, four, five, six. They are amazing. Yes. It's difficult not to say eight because eight is the most evident in the form. In yes. It's the most concise statement. Yes. Yeah. Nine. Look, you cannot skip nine on, this, on this. You can also not skip 12, 
which Probably is the most m- experimental probably absolutely which which sounds like electronic music uh, yeah. fr- from time to time yeah. 14 is, is so lyrical is so then 15 and 16 are absolute masterpieces so 15 really pushes the envelope on what's possible in the quartet form yeah. nine movements to to get into Weinberg's uh, art I would say, you know, we, we did, uh, because when we published uh, the CDs, which are more than 10 years ago now, it's yeah. more than 10 years ago that we finished to record them. So I hope we will record them again uh, <laughs> sometime because it would be very different now, surely. But we, we wanted to do one CD, which is the CD we say, if you want to know Weinberg, listen to it. So that was 6, 8, 15. Because the 8 is maybe not the one I like most, but in a way the most Jewish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in a way is also a little it's a sort of perfect arch form yes it's, 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 so it's one of the shortest quartets it's yes. also the most um, you might say approachable not Absolutely. that I necessarily like not Absolutely. with any negative connotations of that yeah, word no, no. either it's 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 perfectly apparent what's yeah. going on Absolutely yeah. Absolutely and, and it's never nevertheless extremely still very difficult to play as well Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then six is Like we were speaking this morning, the Opus 130 it's, of Beethoven. Yeah, it's, it's the pinnacle of these later quartets, where just, he's searching and trying little different styles with each work. Yes, and and in the same time, is that an amazing unity? Yes, yeah. And you feel in the six, he's not putting. You feel very much a young man. He's never putting himself a limit. You yes. have the impression that he's, he's not caring at anything. He's not caring what people will think. He's not caring uh, how the musician will finish, finish the concert. Yes. He's not caring if it's possible or not. He's, he's just... And, and the strength of this quartet... So the story with the Sixth Quartet is worth going into. It's written 1946. Mm-hmm. And immediately it's recognized by his peers as substantial and an achievement. Yes. So he went to a much older composer, uh, uh-huh. Miskowski, sure. Nikolai Miskowski, who himself Which, wrote 13 fine quartets. Yes. Um, but he was also responsible for getting things published or to be performed. Uh-huh. And Miskowski immediately recommended this should be performed. And it was actually published. Uh-huh. Published uh, by the main publishing house, widely available, and then reprinted, actually, in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And yet, and yet it was banned. In 1948, there was a crackdown on Soviet composers. Very famously, people like Prokofiev and Shostakovich had to apologize for their shortcomings and say sorry. But there was also a list of banned works from performance. And Weinberg's Sixth Quartet was on there, which is amazing because it had never been performed anyway. Nobody had ever performed it, as far as we know. No record of any performance, but it was published. To me, that's amazing. Something that hadn't been heard had to be kept in check. For me, I feel in this quartet an amazing freedom. I think sometimes the, the the art or the music or the writing is sometimes this is a possibility for a writer, a composer, a poet, whatever, to be someone else. Yes. Or to be him is true himself. Mm-hmm. Weinberg is Herculean in the in in the six. Yes. Weinberg was quite ill. So uh, since is. Late teens, he'd been suffering yeah. to some extent with t- tuberculosis of the spine. Yeah, yeah. And 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 to were so cheerful, so shy. Here is is a sort of Hercule. Is a yes. sort of athlete. Is a sort yes. of, of of Beethoven. I mean, for for me, it's it's the, the six is really like the resume of of <laughs> what is the, the young Weinberg. Yes. And if you know that, you listen to the middle ones differently. That's absolutely right. And then eight as this sort of perfect arch form. It's neat. All of the threads eight, are tied it's, together it's, at it's the end. It's very yeah. well done. It's, yeah. it's a sort of... 
And then 15 is so interesting with the form. Yeah. Um, because 15 is mixing two forms exactly like, for example, 135 of Beethoven's third movement mm -hmm. is in the same time uh, theme of conversion in an, an ABA, ABA form. Yeah. And, and here you have in the same time an art form and a miniature form. Every movement, a part of the eighth and ninth, are absolutely homogenic in the character. But in the same time, you have this sort of way to go more, 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 and then fade out to the end. It's searching. Yeah. Uh, really interesting thing that it gets to nine movements yeah. and then beyond fifth movement perhaps there's yeah. then a question of how how do you end something like this it's apparent that the work is getting bigger and bigger and bigger yeah. and then do you end with a with a sort of panic yeah. or a climax or a struggle or do you fade out and each successive movement after then is yeah. a different search for this some yeah. of them become a sort of manic waltz triple forte pizzicato yes, absolutely you know, in Fran French conservatories, we, we have a, a horrible habit is to ask to students to play movements and, and which is like uh, do, do a Shakespeare play, but only a, a, an only, act. Yeah, only once a little. <laughs> yeah, and, and even don't care about <laughs> the start and the end, you know, just the middle. And it's, it's, quite, it's quite absurd. But if you would play only one movement of, of 15th, no movement would make sense no. apart of the eighth which I think the, the one before last, which is actually the heart, and which is the moment where we we hit the finish. top. Yeah, yeah we, the sevens were extreme, and then there is this huge pizzicati at the start of the eight, and then it's complete magic yes. coming. And, and the eight is surely, I think, the most important. About us, we, we had an amazing luck. Really, I would compare with the archaeologist, which <laughs> comes on a society almost completely forgotten and which is a huge civilization. I'm sure that this is only once happening in a life. Part of me is uh, slightly skeptical every time we see big celebrations around a centenary. So I do very much love that you're going into 2021 with this at the Wigmore. But the big question for me then is, is there a danger of a Weinberg revival and peak interest being now? And then where do we go from here? I don't think. A lot of students now are playing Weinberg. Yes. A lot of students take Weinberg pieces in their study. But when, when we recorded, it was all from nothing. Yes. You know, I have still this, this amazing remembering about the sound engineer, uh, Barbara Valentin. She said this cycle was the biggest event of her life. And, and I remember very often we played one movement and there was a silence and we hear the kind of herrlich, which means in German, Amazing, you know, it's so beautiful. And, and she was not speaking about us, I, I precise. <laughs> she was speaking about the music. And, and, and since then, for 10 years, we have been living in this world. And thanks also to the recording, we, we play them more. I am extremely happy yes. that other quartets are, are starting to play this music a lot. And I hope that every quartet will play some Weinberg now. But um, it's, it's an amazing chance to do this, both cycles here. And, and I remember, actually, John Gilluli, at, uh, the artistic director of, of Wigmore Hall, had, had always actually an interest in it. And, and I think it, it belongs to the, to the type of, of artistic director which have really, you know, uh, an interest to, to create something, yes. to, to make something happen. Yes. And, and I remember the talks uh, with him when, when he first uh, came with how are you going to do the Weinberg? With what? In which way? Yes. And, and I mean, for us, we, we actually, we had just been reading uh, an article from, from Boston Globe. 
saying, what a pity there never have been a double cycle. But, but you know, to propose that, especially to such a hole here where everyone wants to play, you know, yes. it's, it's you, you feel like, so we were very shyly saying, why not this? And it re- directly jumped on it. And I'm so grateful about that, you know, because, yes. and, 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 and I think that's great because it's, it's, I guess probably much more easy for for some programmers to stay more in the safe safe yes safe place. But but we try really to make the music uh, live, and that's a real historical thing to yes. do the both cycles. That will be the first time ever. But I I believe um, I firmly believe it will speak for itself. Mark, thank you very much uh, for joining me. Thank you, Daniel. And it's been a pleasure. I really look forward to the first of the concerts in October. It's nice with so many discussions we had over over the years to have one facing a micro. (laughs) It's fun, but I'm sure we will continue now off off micro. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.